of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of the King rise among us. Let it rise. Yeah, do y'all remember how to clap? Let the glory of the
forget other people get uncomfortable. <laughs> just stand quickly thank you guys the Lord was ministering to me yesterday about America and how God has used the nation since the time of its birth and its freedom and the things your people has been through and um, I didn't know that yesterday was the anniversary of D-Day the day that um, thousands of young American soldiers risked their lives for the freedom of Europe and the world as we know it. I mean, better late than never. <laughs> but thank you. And um, I was just um, going through some of the things that humanity went through in that time and then God wanted me to minister some things about the Civil War. And the song that we sang today, I've, I've actually never heard the church, it's like you all know the song. You know, I come from an English background. When I hear it, I hear glory, glory, man united, as the Reds go marching on. And that's why we call them the Red Devils. And I've never had a more bitter taste in my mouth when they beat my football club, so, you know. But the song was written in the Civil War, and it, I believe that it was sung by both sides. And uh, it was a very ter terrible time in American history. And um, I just want to read some things for you guys, and then I want us to sing the song, because I think the set time to favor Zion has come. And the same time as his vengeance comes, so is the time of his redeemed. And God's going to bring his vengeance on the wicked. But we've also got to remember that this is not a time for the church to slumber, because we don't want to be not a part of God's army. There's many people that were complicit in the time of Hitler in Europe. There's many people that were complicit before the civil war began. So we don't want that to happen to the church today. And um, I'm not an American and I don't really get into American politics. Um, but the one thing I fear for my brothers and sisters in this nation is when this nation is divided. Because more people died, in, more Americans 
were affected in the Civil War than any other war that America fought in, fighting one another. So this song always makes me think of that and think of the justice that was done in that war but the terrible price that was paid. And um, I hear a lot that, um, you know, what's wrong with the millennials and it's fine. But I want to know who fathered those millennials. So here I am standing, I'm here, well, that's okay, it's good to hear that. So we've all got to reap what we sowed and we've all got to cry out for mercy in this time. I think we need to cry out for mercy. Even in my nation, we need mercy. Sometimes there's people that have come generations before us that have fought and paid terrible price to win battles for us and, and the things we're living in today that we don't even appreciate because we don't know what it was like in times before. So I think I'll start with um, some facts about the beginning of World War II. By the end of World War II, 60 million people perished. Some say 65, including an estimated 27 million Soviets, today Russians, Ukrainians, Georgians, and other nations. Between 10 million to 20 million Chinese, 60 million Jews, 60 million Germans, 3 million non-Jewish Poles, 2.5 million Japanese, 1.5 million Yugoslavs, Austria, Britain, France, Romania, Hungary, Italy, and the United States each counted a quarter million and a half million dead. The opening shots were fired in 1931 when Japan launched a Kuyang Tang army into Manchuria. In March 1936, Hitler marched into the demilitarized zone of the Rhineland. It was his biggest gamble to date. The 48 hours after the march, uh, after the march was the most nerve-wracking of Adolf Hitler's life, in his own words. During the Spanish Civil War, there was a feeble response to the situation. Neither France, Britain, or the United States did anything. Roosevelt banned shipment of weapons to either side, and by the end of it, the dictatorship prevailed. Ford General Motors, Firestone, and other U.S. businesses provided the fascists with equipment. Texco Oil Company provided Franco oil. Franco triumphed in the spring of 1939. In 1937, full-scale war erupted in China. In December of 1937, with the Chinese army on full-scale retreat, the Japanese army entered Nanking and brutalized the citizens. killing and raping 200 to 300,000 women and children. The international, international situation deteriorized further when the diplomatic annexation of Austria took place and the dismembering of Czechoslovakia and the giving of the, German sedate, of the Czech Sudetenland to Germany. The British Prime Minister said, the deal had brought peace in our time. What a fool. And the international community did nothing to stop the authorities of late 1938 when the orgy of violence was let loose on the Jewish population in Eastern Europe. According to the poll taken at the time, 90% 90, 90 of the Americans wanted to stay out of the war.
Let us not slumber, Lord. Now I want to come inside the borders of the United States and give you some facts about the Civil War. And if you're wondering why I'm reading this to you, because if I look at what's going on in your nation, I think to myself, the biggest threat to America is internal. I don't think there's a nation today that can stand against your people. But as the proverb goes, the problem comes from within. And the foolishness that's running riot in my generation on the streets right now is a wickedness far beyond I've ever seen. The Civil War was fought in 10,000 places in Valverde, New Mexico, and Tallahoma, Tennessee, to St. Albans, Vermont, and Fernandina on the Florida coast. More than 3 million Americans fought in it, and over 600,000 men. 2% of the population died in it. Some people will argue that and say 750,000 men. American homes became headquarters. American churches and schoolhouses sheltered the dying. Huge foraging armies swept across the American farms and burnt American towns. Americans slaughtered one another here in America in their own cornfields and peach orchards along familiar roads and by waters with old American names. In two days at Shiloh on the banks of Tennessee, more Americans fell than all previous American wars combined. In Cold Harbor, 7,000 Americans fell in 20 minutes. About 620,000 men died in the Civil War. That's more Americans than died in both World Wars, Korea and Vietnam combined and amounted to 2% of the population at the time, which would be the equivalent of about 6 million Americans dying today. So I just read that because God wants to challenge us and he wants to challenge his people because the enemy is on the move. And he's busy and he neither sleeps nor slumbers. But we have this faith that so is our God, not sleeping nor slumbering. And he will exact his vengeance. But what I said to God, I said, Lord, let me be a part of it. Let me be one who experiences your redemption and sees a revival. So we can hear about all the calamity. But one of the major things that Jesus did when he died on the cross, the glory of God could spread across the known world. And that people could hear the beautiful and the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a time for us to pray and ask for God for mercy. Because as much as the millennials may be a waste to some people, but God is going to raise up some giants. God is going to raise up Martin Luther Kings. He's going to raise up Winston Churchills. He's going to raise up Abraham Lincolns. He's going to raise up generals of the faith, John G. Lakes, Smith Wigglesworths, Billy Grahams. Amen. So we're going to just sing that song one more time with the passion that you sung it just now when the worship team was singing. And as you sing it, just start to envision what God's going to do in our time and the revival that he's going to bring. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sing it, Olivia. Brown eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is strengthened after the dread of grace and right of strong. He is loose to faithful life of his terrible soul. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. 
want to win souls in this time do you love Jesus do you want to be used of God do you love Jesus say Lord don't pass me by use me Lord I want to be a part of what you're doing I want to go where you going Lord I want to say what you say yes Lord Yes, Lord. Yes. Say, Father God, don't give me what you don't want me to have. You guys can take a seat. Hezekiah was told by the Lord that he was going to die. And he wept before the Lord and he prayed and he asked for mercy. And Isaiah came to him and said, God is going to give you 15 more years. Hezekiah wanted something that God didn't want to give him. And the Bible says that Manasseh reigned at the age of 12, which indicates that in the 15 years that he should have been gone, Manasseh was born. And we know that Manasseh was, a, he did wickedness in the sight of the Lord. And I think he reigned for about 50 years, one of the longest reigns in Israel. And even Josiah and his revival couldn't turn the judgment that came on Israel. So Father God, don't give me what you don't want me to have. Amen? So, you know, Lord, let your will be done. Amen. So that's why we talk about being led by the Spirit and knowing where to pray and what to pray for. I can't say I've mastered that art yet. Sometimes I find myself praying for things and then when certain things come to pass, I say, thank you, Lord, you didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> Amen. Just want to honor you, Pastor David, Pastor Shirley, your family. I love you guys so much. Thank you for this opportunity. I love everybody in this church. You're all my family. Pray for me. 
as uh, my green card process is busy taking place right now. So um, if that goes through, um, I'll be one of you in a couple of years' time. Yeah. And I'll be singing Star Spangled Banner with you guys. Yeah. So it's a little bit unfair. My, my son is American, but I'm not. So. <laughs> and so is my wife. Here's my wife, Haley. I just want to. Haley, can you stand up so I can honor you? It's Haley. I love her. Yes. She doesn't stand behind me, she stands beside me because the woman came from the rib, not the spine. Amen. So, um, it's a good thing to have a wife. Amen. You get a lot of these um, new age people and they don't understand marriage. Well, they also don't understand knowledge and understanding. They're fools. So, Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that you just speak to us, Lord. That you minister us today. I thank you that you use me, Lord. I thank you that you open my mouth to decree your decrees. Make your knowledge and your wisdom be known. I thank you that every heart is open and every ear is open to receive what you have to say, Lord. And I thank you that we have the ability to receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Just touch your Bible. Just grab your Bible wherever you are. Just hug it if you want to. You know, I don't have my Bible. I've got a little iPad. So just hug it and you know, show it a bit of love. Just kiss it. Say, thank you, Lord, for your word. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Yeah, you don't have to be shy. You can kiss your Bible. It's all right. Nobody's going to persecute you. Yeah? Well done. Jonathan loves his word. Say, thank you, Father God, for your truth. Thank you, Lord, that we live in a nation where we can free, freely gather together and assemble together and worship your wonderful name. Let us appreciate that, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 89 verse 17, For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. You don't have to go there. It's just one verse. But you can go to Genesis 39. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. Say, Father God, I need your favor. I need your favor, Lord. And I just pray that everybody takes this message very seriously. It's going to be a hard message, but it's something that needs to be said and preached. Because I believe that a time is coming in the body of Christ where certain people will gain favor because favor is a reality of life. And we might hear often certain messages that might sound like all men are equal, but if you live this life and you walk in this life, you'll find that that's not true. Not all men and women are equal. You understand? I was hearing a, um, a comedian the other day talking about when he went to meet the queen. He said when, she, when they opened the door, a little man came with a trumpet and he went, pop, 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 pop. He said, man, wouldn't that be nice if every time I came into a room, they like blew a trumpet for me and so he's like, the only time I ever hear something close to that is when I walk into the Dollar General, it goes bing, boom, boom. So, so I want to speak about favor. And um, it's something that we all need, whether we like it or not. And um, David found favor in the eyes of God and man. And I want to prove to you by scripture that when you say it doesn't matter who likes me or not, that's foolishness beyond measure. 
You know, some people say, oh, well, if God likes me, it doesn't matter who likes me. It matters who likes you. In one day, Vashti lost favor with the king. And a peasant girl from Israel was put into a position because of favor. Amen. Amen. So favor in the eyes of men is very important. And it's something we all need to understand. And we're living in a day and age where sometimes I see that the way we raise our children, we don't teach them how to honor, how to have integrity. Honor and integrity. How to have value. Understand, if you have value and you're a problem solver, you'll be a person who will find favor in the eyes of men. Joseph found favor in the eyes of Potiphar. Favor in the eyes of Pharaoh because he solved a problem that nobody could solve. Daniel found favor in the eyes of King Nebuchadnezzar because he solved a problem. And it's before the eyes of men that God wants to put us. He wants, to us to, he wants to present us in front of men and women that can exalt us and promote us. Because God uses us. God uses you. You can favor a person and sometimes you don't know why. So some people say it's the mystery of favor. The mystery of favor. And I heard T.D. Jake say once, favor is unfair. You know, and that, I think that's true. But today I'm going to try and preach a message that's going to help us understand how to gain favor. So there must be a technology that David must have had, that Joseph must have had, that Esther must have had, that Daniel must have had. And I think it's, it's, it's something that works together with the Lord and men. So it's not just about how you love the Lord and how your walk is with the Lord, but it's also about how you treat people and how you love people. How you value the relationships around you. Can you greet an elder when you walk into a door, when an elder walks in? You know, in Africa, people are very, um, I don't know how to say it, honorable. If a mother or a father walks in, the little children will greet, hello, mama. Hello, Papa. There's honor. It's instilled in the culture. Um, I remember once when um, there was a famous man of God. I won't say his name. He came to visit us in Africa. My brother must have been about 12 years old, my older brother. And, you know, he, um, he's not the fastest one to say, I'll make coffee for the guests. Or, you know, we gr I grew up in a household where guests came in. I was 10 years old, and I'd make coffee for you if you came into my house. I would try and prepare whatever I was capable of preparing and, and, and serve you and be hospitable. Why should my mother have to do that when she can be sitting down in the lounge and discussing things with my father? When she has capable young men in the house. You understand? So this famous man came and when he stayed in the house, my brother was always serving and he was 12 years old. Always came to the man of God, what can I get you? When he came to him, to him in the morning, can we organize you breakfast? Very honorable. That's how you gain favor. I was with um, John Ho, and this doesn't happen in Africa, so it surprises me. It's like culture shock. You know, in Africa, we can have a moving company, but then the sons still help. It's not like they're invalids. Me and John Ho were busy moving, and there's a young man there. He's playing PlayStation. If we need to take one of the things, he'll move his foot off foot, and he carries on playing PlayStation. Can't even help his father or help the people moving. He just sits there. 
Like, they, like he doesn't get bread from that house. Like that house should serve him. Like he's God's gift to all. And I thought to myself, I wonder how far this chap will get in life doing this. I mean, let's just be honest. Do you want me to say nice things and lie? You know? So we wonder what's wrong with the millennial generation. They think that everything belongs to them and everything should come their way. They all think it's about their rights, but they don't think about responsibilities. Yeah. We need to teach our children that they have responsibilities. And that's one of the things that um, gained me favor in life is that I realized I had responsibilities. And um, I don't want to talk about myself, but I'll tell you right now, I don't have an education. I didn't, I didn't um, we call it matriculate in South Africa. I didn't graduate. I came out of school in grade nine. When I got my B1 10-year visitor's visa, I didn't answer all the questions right. I didn't have an education. I didn't have a job, and I didn't even have a bank account. But the lady stamped through. Why? Because I believe I had favor. I believe that God did something for me. When I decided to leave my job and go to Bible school, a, a, a person from the United States, I didn't even plan it. I just thought, I don't know how I'm going to pay my car. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. But I need to go serve the Lord and I need to give up my job. And then at the same time, as you need to, when you, um, I forget what the word is, when you resign from a job, you still have to stay for a certain amount of time. If I had to stay for that certain amount of time, I wouldn't be able to go to Bible school and I wouldn't be able to enroll in time. I would have missed that year. But I went into the, my boss's office and she said, fine, you can go next week. You don't have to come back. You don't have to come back for a month. You can go straight to Bible school. I didn't go for an interview or anything. The prophet just said, send the boy. Then when I got there, I found out that a man from the United States of America was going to pay my car's bills, was going to pay for my cell phone bills and all the other bills I had to pay. I didn't even discuss it. Is that not favor? Is it because I did something so special? That's the mystery of favor. But I'll also tell you one thing, that that person, when he visited South Africa, I was very hospitable to him and I was a nice person. And I gave him the time of day, even though he, he was an older and I was just a teenager. You understand? I put value in him. We've got to put value in people. Because a lifetime of labor can't match up to one day of favor. One day of favor will outdo a lifetime of labor. Amen? So let's read the scripture just so you know I'm not lying to you and just speaking to you about some philosophies or some Confucianist stuff. We will read Genesis 39. And I just want to thank all those online that are watching. God bless you. I hope God speaks to you, and um, I pray that the anointing that's in this house will be in your households. Thank you, Jesus. Um, first, let me say, what is favor? So I'll just give you a few little um, Dylan definitions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number one, favor is a reaction. You can program favor in your life. In other words, it's a response. Number two, favor is not just a miracle. Not always. It's not just a miracle. You can plant the seed of favor in your life if you get some of these keys. 
Favor is when someone is willing to invest their life, their time, their resources, and their credibility to help you achieve your goals. That's favor. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't get favor in the eyes of Pastor David, if I didn't have favor in the eyes of Michelle, if I didn't have favor in some of the people that paid for my plane tickets to get from Africa to America. Somebody was willing to invest in me. Is somebody willing to invest in you? Is somebody willing to invest in you guys? God wants you to understand the mystery of favor and he wants you to obtain it. Because this is the season of favor. This is the time for Zion to be exalted, for the horn of the Lord to be exalted and for his favor. And he's gonna favor some people in some very dark times because the light needs to be set on a hill. The light's on the hill for a reason so the world can see. People want to see your good works. You know, I, um, I heard somebody say to me once, you know, what is this glory thing? And his understanding for glory was it's purple. I was thinking, is that your revelation on glory? It's purple. Wow, that just changed my life. I'm joking, it didn't. Glory is the reputation of God, his brightness and his majesty. And when we always talk about the glory of Jesus Christ and the glory that's within us, it's his reputation that we need to carry. His works, his nature, and that's how he's glorified. That's how he's worshipped. Amen? That's just a small understanding. I suppose there can be some theologians that can give you some better stuff to say. Number four, when someone is willing to participate in your success, that's favor. Favor is not just unmerited access. Favor is not just unmerited access. Because that's very limited thinking. It can be merited. Amen. Genesis 39 verse 1. Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Okay, now he's been sold. His brothers threw him in the hole. We know the story. Um, The Ishmaelites came along. And... um, you know what I love about Joseph's story is like sometimes God can gravitate our problems towards a solution. Our problem can t- sometimes be a solution. Ishmael might have been a mistake with Abraham, but if it wasn't for Ishmael, Joseph wouldn't have made it to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites which had brought him down to Afa, and the Lord was with Joseph. Say, the Lord is with me. And he, was prosper- and he was a prosperous man. Say, I am a prosperous person. Cause, my, cause everything I touch to prosper, Lord. And he was a prosperous person, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. Verse 4. And Joseph found grace in the sight. In the sight. And he served him. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had he put into his hands. Amen. And it came to pass 
from the time that he made that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat and Joseph was a goodly person and well favored Joseph was a goodly person and he was well favored and we know that the enemy can send in an agent and sometimes that's just a part of the journey sometimes that's just a part of the journey you know so just because an enemy or an agent comes in it doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong but sometimes God can use those things to get you before the, the courts of Pharaoh because Joseph had an appointment with two prisoners. So somebody spoke on his behalf. Somebody wants to speak on your behalf. Saul had a problem. And then one of the cupbearers, one of the servants in the palace said, I know a young guy that when he plays, peace can come upon you and you can be healed and evil spirits depart. I know somebody. How did he know David? He must have been walking by in the fields. He must have met him somewhere. He must have heard him play. He must have seen how skilled he was with the harp or whatever that thing he was playing, the stringed instrument. Amen? Somebody can speak on your behalf and it can be an open door. Let's go down to the end of the chapter, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all that, the prisoners, uh, all that the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever that he did there. And he was a doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Father God, everything you give me to do, make it prosper, Lord. Make it prosper. Imagine being, imagine being so valuable to your master that he doesn't even have to check up on you. He knows everything this guy does. It's, he's going to cause it to prosper. I want that in my life. I want that in my life. That when people give me things to do, they know I can trust Dylan to do it. Amen. Um, 1 Samuel 2 verse 18. Thank you, Lord. Are you guys getting something? Is this good? I pray that you receive this. This is very important. Um, we've got to preach the whole gospel, the full gospel, study to show ourselves approved, dividing the word of truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Um, Verse 18, but, um, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with, the, with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah. Okay, we'll skip, we'll skip. Now let's go down to verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. Um, you know, Hannah's a very intelligent woman. 
You know, a lot of us, I just say this, I don't think this is the case with all of us, but a lot of us want breakthrough in our, in our lives. But we don't know that also God needs something from us. So Hannah, the Bible says Hannah was there doing her daily sacrifice, praying before the Lord. The man of God even got it wrong, called her drunk. But he saw that God was in need of something because the Bible says Hophni and Phinehas was doing wickedness in the sight of the Lord. So Eli had a problem and Hannah had a problem. But they both were a solution. Hannah knew that God was looking for a priest. There's some things that are barren in our lives because we haven't given God what he needs. You understand? And the, the thing is, it's not like God can't do it without us. He'll find somebody else if you're disobedient. God's will will be done. We are victorious in Christ, but we've got to make the choice if we're going to be a part of that army. Am I going to hear the call? Am I going to say, yes, Lord, I will go send me. Send me, Lord. I will make the sacrifice. I will take that bullet so that the next generation doesn't have to go through what I went through. Amen. Thank you, sister. Say, preach, Dylan, preach. I'm doing the best I can. And Samuel uh, grew before the Lord. Um, Okay, then goes on, talks about Samuel and all his sons. Then verse 26 is what we need to read. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both. Listen to this, both with the Lord and also with what? With men. Not just with God. Oh, I don't care what people think of me. God loves me. Yeah, but your life will be very tough on earth if you don't have friends and you're not a friendly person. And you can't do the simple things in life. And have value for people and, and, and care about what people think. I do care about what people think. I do. It's important. And sometimes it's hard when they think things that are unjust. But you know what? Because we love people, we care. And um, sometimes people say, well, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Well, it kind of is about you. The gospel is about people getting saved. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world. So it's about the world knowing the gospel. So it is about people and it is about you. God is about you. Amen? And I believe that with all my heart, that the Lord loves us. Proverbs 3, um, 1 to 5. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life, and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the tablet of thy heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. So right now, God's giving us a key in the beginning of this proverb that, hey, my words <laughs> have something for you. I've got some medicine for you. My word is medicine for you. I've got a solution to the problem. I've got a solution to that spiritual embargo on your finances. I've got a solution to why whenever you go for job interviews, some other novice gets the job and not you. You know, I've also seen sometimes in life, you can be the person who works the hardest in your business. You can be the most faithful servant, but somehow the boss never sees what you do. How is that? There needs to be something and needs to be a key 
and a door that God needs to open where favor can shine on your life, that you can be noticed. It's important to be noticed, you understand? Rightfully balanced, in humility, doing the will of God. Amen? Why is favor important? Number one, because it is good to have God for you rather than against you. Um, yeah. You know, um, Daniel understood something. He said, man, I'm in a foreign land. Um, I don't know these people. These people are crazy. They eat funny things. They do funny things. They chop off men's parts that work in the king's um, halls. Yeah, they did. There were eunuchs there. He said, man, I, I think I, I know there's a solution to the problem. I need to make sure that I've got some divine favor before I start my, my journey and my destiny. Yeah. So it starts with divine favor. Amen? Because it's good to, to have God for you than against you. Luke 2, verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Even Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Increased in favor with God and with men. Luke 2. So the Bible is very clear about this secret that we need to have. And it's one of the things I always tell a lot of young people. I say, pray for favor. Pray for favor. Pray that God will give you favor. Pray that when you go for that job interview, God will give you favor. You understand? And one of the things you've also got to learn in life is that you've got to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. You know, sometimes I see people get blessed in the way that I want to get blessed. But, you know, I say, thank God somebody's getting blessed that needs it. I say, thank you, Lord. It makes me feel good. One of the other young men the other day just told me that he got a big breakthrough in his job. He's got to travel a lot, but he's going to be making nice big bucks. I said, praise God. Praise God that a child of the kingdom is being blessed. Praise, praise God that the riches of the unrighteous are laid up for the righteous. Praise the Lord. That's why I believe in prosperity. Not in televangelism, prosperity gospel, that if you don't give me your grandmother's savings right now, you won't be blessed. Not that type of stuff. You've got five minutes right now. I know you're thinking about keeping that for your grandmother, but the Lord says, give me that $500. If you don't do it, the blessing of the Lord will not be on your house. Not that type of prosperity. Prosperity that God touches. Something that's inside of you that you carry. A value a system, a technology of the spirits, a mystery to those around you. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> um, number two, why is favor important? Whatever you touch, God will cause it to prosper. Number three, I've said this already, one day of favor is worth a lifetime of labor. That's hardly an exaggeration. One day of favor. I've had one day of favor in my life that changed my whole life. One day. You know. And I think it was divine favor when I went for my visa because I only knew your name, Pastor David. I didn't know Morningstar. I didn't know Rick Joyner's name. So when they read up on the actual stuff for them, the head pastor is Rick Joyner. He's the head of the ministry. So for me, I just know Pastor David. This woman thought, yes, he doesn't know where he's going. I said, I know the state is North Carolina. She's like, where in North Carolina? But I think maybe she thought I was being genuine or something, or I wasn't a skabango or a criminal or something. So she just looked at me and said, Mr. Hutchinson, 
If you're going to go somewhere, you've got to know who you're going to and where you're going. But God bless you, I'm going to give you a 10-year visa. Bam. That's <laughs> the truth. That's exactly how she said. I'll never forget those words. I thought, yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. When she was asking me those questions, I said, shush. I'm obviously called to Africa. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Favor is important because the unqualified can outclass the qualified. Number five, favor is important because people will notice you. Notice you that you can do the best, work the hardest, and they will appreciate you. You know, um, some people are doing their best and working the hardest, but they're not noticed. I really went through that. So there's always something there, something in our lives sometimes. And sometimes it's also good to be hidden. And sometimes also know that there's seasons of favor because God wants to move us on to our next season. So we've got to understand that the favor has lifted because God doesn't want me in the same position or in the same place. He's pushing me out. You understand? So David got favor in the sight of Saul, but after a while there were spears flying at him. All of a sudden, he's like, yo. This guy loved me, he even took me from my father's house, and all of a sudden I've got to jump out the window and skedaddle. Understand? Because God had a purpose for him. God was taking him to be the king of Israel. You understand? So his favor lifted in that season. He even went to um, the, the, the Philistines, and he acted like a madman. There was no favor. He was running around. He went to the desert. He was being chased, living in caves like a wild man. <laughs> Amen. It's the Bible. But he had favor, so there was a season for it. I heard once that Joseph was in prison for 13 years. 13 years. It's a long time to wait. Yeah. It's a long time to wait. But thank God that cupbearer remembered. He said, Yo, man, I was in prison once, and this, this dude, he told me I would be here. Amen. Uh, where was I? Um, um, you need favor to achieve your goals and dreams. Remember that one. Because all success stories are related to favor. I think that's true with my life. And I just want you to think about some of your success stories, how God favored you, how God opened doors. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Um, I think the favor of God lifted from Saul's life when he refused to be obedient. Because he thought sacrifice was greater than obedience. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. You understand? Sometimes we think the enemy is resisting us, but because of our disobedience, God is against us. The Bible says God resists the proud. And we just continue stumbling on doing whatever we want, but we don't even know that the one who we pray to all the time is trying to do some, correct some things in our lives, get us to be obedient, but he's resisting us. Yeah. I never wrote the Bible. That's what the Bible says. He says. It says he resists the proud. He resists the proud. It's not good for God to be resisting us. It's good for him to be for us. Obedience. Amen. Um, where was I? What was I saying? Okay. We're moving on. 15 minutes. Um, number one for how can favor be obtained. So here are some keys. 
have a good name and a reputation. Um, when I used to read this Proverbs 22 verse 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. So, you know, I thought, well, oh, maybe I should give my son a good name. Maybe John is a good name. It's not talking about that. It's talking about a reputation. How do people speak of you? You understand? That's what the Bible's referring to. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than the silver and gold. You know, I heard them ask this one leader once, I think it was um, Madiba, Nelson Mandela, they said, um, is it better be f to be feared than loved as a leader? And he said, loved. It's better to be a leader that's loved than feared. So to have a good name amongst your peers and amongst your neighbors is power. Right there is a power you need, is to have a good name amongst the people that you walk with. Amen. Shaka bundi. Yeah. Number two, sowing the seed of honor. How can favor be obtained? Sowing the seed of honor. Amen. The ability to recognize, celebrate, and reward men for their uniqueness. Some people don't know that there's a difference between great men and weak men. Is everybody the same? To some people, all men are equal. Understand? So in this life, there's people that are not equal, unfortunately, because of the way things go. I like to treat everybody equally. I like to try my best. But unfortunately, I know that if the king comes in, if Donald Trump walks in right now, I'm not going to keep the mic. But if one of you try and take the mic from you, I'll say, sit down, I'm preaching right now. You understand? So does it mean we're all equal? No. So there's people of honor. There's people that carry something. And if you can't discern that difference, so wisdom is discerning the difference between things, knowing right and wrong. Knowing what is good and bad, that's wisdom. Wisdom and understanding. Sometimes I look at people and I think, your, your, your folly precedes you. I think to myself, only a foolish person that doesn't understand the ways of life could do such a thing. And then you think it's not their fault, they're just a fool. You understand? So it's also our job to teach and educate ourselves in this life. Amen? So that's why I always tell that story about people, you know, because I said um, you can be qualified but still not have favor, still not have power. I always tell that story about the guy who was in charge of the water affairs. Have you guys heard it before? Where he's got the paper. David remembers. Must I tell it again? Okay, the guy comes in. He's got to test the water in the farms. He's in charge of all the water. So he's got all the equipment and all the little tubes for the, I don't know what you call it, the, the balance of the water, and he's got to go to everybody's farm. And he's got a paper from the government that qualifies him to test the water. And one day he comes to um, old Pitman's farm. He says, hey, Pitman, here's my paper. I, I, I need to get inside this um, paddock, and I need to go test the water. I need to go test that dam. That, I need to test that water. He says, no, Pitman says, no, you can't, you can't go in there. He says, look, I've got the qualification right here. You have to open the gate for me. You have no right. The government gave me permission to go. And he says, I'm telling you right now, brother, you can't go in there. He said, listen to me. Here's my paper. I'm qualified. Open that gate. He says, okay. 
He opens the gate. He goes in. He bends down and starts testing the water. Next minute he hears... <laughs> he looks behind him and there's a big bull there. Pitman's sitting by the gate and he watches him run and the bull's chasing him. He says, show him the paper. Show him the paper. Some people think like that. I see some people, you know, the, the, the ancients used to say, physician, heal thyself. You know, some people have all these qualifications of psychiatry and stuff, but there's problems in their household. There's people that are mad. They themselves can't even control certain things in life, but they want to sit down and tell me how to live my life. I think to yourself, you are deceived. Just because you've got paper doesn't qualify you to tell me what to do. You understand? It was a man of God in Nigeria. His one friend said, hey, I can give you power. I know somebody who can give you power. If you need certain things, I can, I can take you to this person and give you power. He went and took him far into the bush through the jungle and far away. He came to this little old shack and there was an old man living on the floor eating yams and fufu, poor man's food. And the, guys, and the pastor walked in and he just started laughing. And the old man said, what are you laughing at? You want power? And he says, you, you can't give me power. You can't even afford a bed. I've got a job. I've got a bed. I've got a wife and children. I eat better than you, but you think you can give me power. You, can, you think you can give me advice in life, but your household is a mess. Physician, heal thyself. You understand? Is that not true? And we've got to be aware of those things in the body of Christ because I've seen it a lot. There's a lot of people that think they know a lot and know how to do things, but they don't even want to acknowledge that their life's a mess. And I think in the book of Timothy, Paul gives qualifications for men of God, bishops and deacons. So right there, if some people don't have those qualifications, they're not going to preach to me. You understand? I understand God can give somebody a prophetic word and a divine word for a season, and people that aren't perfect can come and give me a prophetic word. But I'm not going to go get counsel from somebody that's life is a mess. That's stupidity. So we've got to be careful of that. Amen. Shandor. I just went on a little bit of a rant there. Um, where was I? Number two. So in the seat of honor. Number three. Have God for you. Um, I already spoke about Daniel. Daniel's key to favor was the beginning of it was with God. So it always starts with God. It does start with God. But if you really do love the Lord, you'll love what he loves. If you really love the Lord and listen to his words, you'll know his words. If you really love him and his voice, you'll know what he's saying at the time and know where to go, what to do, how to do it, because his word will be alive inside of you. You'll know it. You'll know it. You won't just be able to quote it or speak it, but you'll know it. Amen. You've got to have that inside of you. I, might, I can't really quote scripture. You know, I saw the most amazing thing. I forget the man of God's name. His seven-year-old son sat there at the back of me and quoted the whole book of Matthew 7. And I, I thought maybe the child's going to start quoting four verses or something. But then he says, which chapter? Then I thought, this guy's not playing. Seven-year-old child. I thought, sure. That challenged me that day. And then he said, Matthew 7. And he quoted the whole chapter. I thought, Lord, have mercy. That's powerful and that's wonderful. But what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with what's said in the Bible? 
Are you going to act? Is there going to be a reaction? Is your spirit going to be moved? Are you going to have the response of Zacchaeus? Understand, Zacchaeus didn't just climb the tree to see what Jesus said, but when Jesus ministered to him, he responded. Amen. There was a response. Um, number four. Um, who likes you matters. I've covered that. Number four. One person can open a hundred doors of opportunities for you. 1 Samuel 19. Wherefore Saul sent his messages unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the, the sheep. And Jesse took, I wanted to say ass, but I'll say donkey, laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him and loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. Have you seen how many times like where people go before the king and stuff in the Bible say, If I have found favor in thy sight. Have you seen those words? And the Israelites will find favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And they'll find favor. So it's a, it's a key to prayer also in certain situations. Lord, give me favor. Help me understand how to get favor in this situation. Number five, those who are faithful with that they are given will find favor. Amen? Um, the parable of those that had the talents. What are you going to do with what God gives you? What are we doing with what God gives us in our hands? You know, we all make a lot of mistakes and stuff, but do we continue running the race? You understand? We've just got to continue running that race. Um, number six, you're responsible for activating the flow of favor in your life. Um, so in other words, to say one day God will bless me is a joke. That's not true. Yes. The Bible says now faith is. So there's something that we need to activate now. There's a, there's a, a character we need to get inside of us, a godly character. Not to just stumble through life and just say one day in the sweet by and by. You understand? There's something that God is building inside of his people. Something he's growing us in. The Bible says Samuel grew before the Lord. He grew in the Lord. He grew. There was a pattern. There was, there was, there was a fertilizing process to that tree of life. There was a pattern of learning. So, you know, we all just think, oh, Paul had this encounter with God, and he just went and preached the gospel. But a lot of what we read in the Bible is 13 years after the road to Damascus. Right. He still went and lived three years in the Arabian desert, I think, making tents and all that jazz. Probably um, reestablishing his theology, <laughs> you know. So God's also growing us into the position he needs to put us in. So as much as we can, be out, we can be in the Joseph position where we're dreaming about the stars bowing before us and all that jazz, there's also a process. Just because Samuel comes to anoint you today doesn't mean tomorrow you'll sit on the throne. There's a process God is taking us through. He's sharpening our sword. The smith is busy with us and he's putting us in the fire and he's knocking that hammer and it's hard and it's tough, but God wants to put you in the position that he's called you for. You've got a purpose and you've got a destiny. And you've got to go through some things. But it starts with favor. Amen. 
I'm almost done. Number seven, this is an important one. When your life is dedicated to solving people's problems, doing whatever you can to be a blessing, having value. Joseph solved the problem of Egypt. You know, there's a, I found out there's a, there's a little canal in Egypt close to where they would have done the planting in the ancient times. Nobody knows why it's called Bach Yosef, which means the canal of Joseph. Nobody knows where that name comes from. So he also had wisdom and understanding and he built things and he helped them build things to be able to obtain water and drought, to be able to plant more, to be able to make storages for wheat for the seven years of drought. And today there's still a place in Egypt, it's called Bach Yosef. So he was a solution. He was solving problems. Daniel solved problems. Amen. Amen. Whose problem are we willing to solve? Some of us create problems, you know. <laughs> you know, being a, being a youth pastor too, sometimes the parents will come to me and talk about one of the children. You know, I think that child's a problem, you know. I think, well, then it's good if he's a problem. Then let him be here because he needs to encounter God. That's why we have ministry, you know. But it's funny to realize that some people recognize that some children are a problem. It's just the truth. You should hear the things I hear. Things people say to me, you understand? And sometimes the things I think, I think, you know, that this group would be wonderful, but there's a person here that just, you know. I mean, am I the only one? I'm sorry I see faults. I'm sorry I don't only see everybody's perfect. But let's not be a person who creates problems, but be a person that solves problems. Be the person that when you walk in the door, everybody says, oh, thank God. Not the person that when you walk through the door, goes, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Give me grace. Am I saying something, Pastor David? Yeah. Pastor David's like, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's the truth. Have value. Be seen as a valuable person. You understand? There's a time in our lives where we need to get out of deliverance ministry. We've been delivered now. You know, when I went to Bible school, it was very funny. You know, some of us, we, we all... We went there because we wanted to be men and women of God. And Prophet Kubis and Tanya Lee said, this is not a rehab. If I catch you smoking, you're gone. There's no grace for those things. You're yet to be a man and a woman of God. This is not a rehab. You're not yet for deliverance. But it was funny how many times they caught us doing things and just had grace with us. But that was the continuous thing they said because that ministry, that thing for the, for the youth and the Bible school was not a rehab. We were not supposed to be there when we still had problems smoking marijuana and sniffing glue and all that jazz and petrol or whatever it is you like and, and drinking moonshine in the quiet. Yeah, one of my friends, he got caught on the first day. The first day of Bible school, he got caught. And I was thinking, what, what kind of a fool goes and smokes cigarettes right behind the church where all the cars come? There's one of our Bible school students. Yeah, you know? <laughs> So there's a time in our lives where we need to get past this, oh, I need deliverance. Sometimes people come to me and they say, oh, I need to go for deliverance. You need to get delivered of yourself. Just stop your nonsense. Stop your nonsense. I was speaking to my brother. He's involved in a deliverance ministry down in Florida. And, you know, there's a big problem with pornography. And they pray for people and some people just never, never get over it. And we know it's a, it's a very demonic addiction. It is powerful. Sexual sin is the most shameful thing. And he said, well, the one guy just told him, just don't do it. Just have self-control. 
You're coming to me about this over and over again. Just don't do it anymore. And if you still can't stop it, throw the phone out the window. And then if the phone is still is not the problem, the computer's there, throw the computer out. I remember this one man of God, he, um, he uh, had this gentleman in his church who was struggling with pornography. So he couldn't stop. And one day he came into his house and he said, do you really want me to help you with pornography? He said, yes. Will you do anything? He said, yes. He said, okay. And the man of God went to the computer and just tore it out. <laughs> broke the TV and put it all in a pile. And he said, get the matches. Let's burn this stuff. <laughs> so just self-control. So he said, no, well, I just told the person to have self-control. He hasn't had the problem for months now. You understand? So there's a stage where we need to get past, our deliverance, past this deliverance. I always need deliverance. You're wasting time. God wants to use you. You understand? Sometimes it's not the devil. It's just we don't have self-control. We allow the devil to speak. You understand? It starts with that seed. And when that thing starts speaking and we don't control our mind, the power of a sound mind. Renewing our minds. We don't think upon those things. You can decide, like, we can't stop the bird from flying over our heads, but we can stop him from making a nest there. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Let's stand. This is the last one. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I've got three minutes. I'm not going to ask you guys for 10 more minutes because I know people in church lie. They say, yeah, preach 10 more minutes. Meantime, they're like, man, I want to go home. <laughs> 1 Samuel 18. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that, Saul, uh, that, uh, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. <laughs> And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even his sword and his bow and to his girdle. That was prophetic because Jonathan was supposed to be the heir. He was supposed to be next in line. And David went out wherever so ever Saul sent him. Now listen to this. We'll end off with this. And he behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over them, over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. There's a time in our lives where we need to stop saying, people always have a problem with me. Well, then why, why is there a problem? Where's the problem? If there's a continuing pattern, there's something that we need to deal with. Understand? If it's a reoccurring problem, sometimes it might be unjust and can be spiritual. We need to deal with that thing. But the Bible's clear about how God has used his servants and they've obtained favor in the sight of men and himself. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God. So I just want to pray for some people, whatever it might be. I just like to lay hands. If you're scared of social distancing, I understand. Um, can you come sing, love? Or are you busy with the baby? Is he calm? Yeah. So whatever it might be, if you don't want me to touch you, just say, hey. <laughs> and I'll just put out my hand and the force will be with me. <sighs> I'm joking.
So I want to pray for some people, whatever it might be, whether it's healing. And Pastor David, Pastor Shirley, if you want to help me too, you guys can just come forward. If you need favor in your life and this message spoke to you, just come forward. I just want to pray for you, um, whatever it might be. Um, and let's just worship and pray. And then God bless you guys. For those that want to go home, Father God, I just thank you for everything you've done and everything you've spoken, Lord. Bless your people. Father God, we're in a very tough time in this nation, Lord. And your Bible says that you are the Prince of Peace. And may your peace dwell in our hearts, Lord. May you always be with us. And wherever we go, wherever there might be riots, Father God, where the people might be rioting and there might be unrest, Father God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you use us to bring peace in power. Because the kingdom of God is not in word alone, but the demonstration of power. Let us demonstrate that you are Jehovah Rapha, the one who provides. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord God, our healer. El Elyon, El Rohi, the strong one who sees. Help us see what is going on in people's lives. Help us see the pain. Let us even understand what's going in the hearts of those that might call themselves liberals and people that we might disagree with, that aren't on the conservative or on the same political side as us. But let us understand because love is understanding and caring. Let us understand that they don't see the way we see. Let us understand that, Lord, and let us have compassion in this time. Use your people, Lord. So, Father God, I thank you that you send us out today with power and might in your majesty and in your glory, Lord. Let your glory be known. I thank you, Lord, that today is the day of vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And for whoever is here that knows that they want to take vengeance on certain people or certain businesses or certain things that's taken place in their life and they need justice, know that God has a righteous scale. And the vengeance belongs to him. Just forgive those people. Forgive it. Get over it. Know that God is dealing with them. Especially if they belong to the Lord, know that he's dealing with them. And he'll deal with them in a better way than you ever will. And he'll deal with us too, and he'll deal with me too. So Father God, I thank you that you're working all the nonsense out of our lives. Cleaning us up. We bless you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we can stand here today and worship you in freedom, worship you in spirit and truth. Thank you that we are not in the bondage of communist nations. Father God, touch China, Lord. Remember the church in China and Iran and all the nations where the gospel is persecuted and put down. Let us know and understand that your truth goes marching on. Let us know that you can't fight against the truth, you can't stop the truth. The truth will ever be the truth, whether they agree or disagree. We can't vote you out and we can't vote you in. You have no predecessor and you have no successor. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you are the all-conquering Lion of Judah. And Father God, I thank you that you conquer every problem in our lives. Every problem in this nation, Lord. That you'll use America and you'll remember America one more time, Lord. In this time, in this season. That you'll use those in the White House that you've called by your name. Father God, to spread truth, knowledge, and understanding, and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.